Hello, good morning, and blessed third Sunday of Advent to you all. And I cannot think of a more beautiful way of approaching our topic for today in our Advent series, Miracles Are Possible Now, than that wonderful song that Richard <clears throat> has just sung for us so beautifully about Mary and her miracle son. That was just wonderful, Richard. Thank you. And we're going to stay with music, but not quite so seasonal. There's going to be a short clip of music. Just take a little listen and see if anyone in the room can guess where this theme tune comes from. Ready? Have a listen. Anyone? Yes, we've got some fans in the room. It's BBC's excellent series, The Repair Shop. What happens in The Repair Shop? It's where much loved but broken treasures are brought back to life. They have a Scottish narrator. It's a restoration place. The repair shop. Oh, it's wonderful. If you don't know it, get to know it. It's a fantastic series. It's a place of restoration. I wonder if any of you have a treasured possession that you would like to see brought back to life, or maybe you've already had one restored. Well, I have a beautiful ring. It's made of gold. It's uniquely designed, engraved on the inside, and set with different gems. I love that ring. It's of immense personal significance to me. But I have lost count over the many years of wearing that ring. The number of times one or other of those stones has got damaged, become tarnished, worked loose, fallen out, and sometimes even lost. It got to the point where I had to resort to temporary measures, putting in other stones, more modest stones, which were harder wearing, more practical, more long lasting. But they had no joy dazzle to them, no shine or radiance. My ring looked sad and sorry, and just a shadow of what it was ever meant to be. But then the day came when it was time to restore my ring. And off I went excitedly to the uh, jeweler, restorer, designer. And they helped me to source some replacement gems for the ring. Have you ever seen gems or jewels in their unset state? Just there on the jeweler's cloth. It's quite a fascinating experience. They're very small, well, mine were. but. They're quite mesmerizing, and I found it quite difficult to concentrate, examine these little shiny gems, 
and tried to keep in my mind, right, this is for my ring. What's this going to look like? I have to imagine this set in the ring in combination with the other gems and everything all assembled together in the whole piece. It was a challenge. But once those gems were chosen and the jeweler had professionally cut, set, polished, mounted them, put them all together in stronger new settings on a beautiful newly forged band, then not only did the jewels shine in their brilliance, but the whole piece, the beautiful ring could be seen in all its full glory and significance. My engagement ring. Oh, nice story, Jill. Why are you telling us this? There is a point to it. Because even a brief reading of Luke 1 and 2, which is where we're sourcing our Advent series, even a brief reading will reveal quickly that miracles are positively exploding around that story. Like someone has taken a whole handful of jewels and just scattered them over an otherwise very plain backdrop of ordinary lives and landscapes. You have angelic messengers popping up unsuspected. You have a very elderly couple being miraculously enabled to conceive a baby. You have a young virgin woman having a completely supernatural conception of a child. An older man made mute when he doesn't believe God's message, while others are enabled to speak prophetically, declare and sing and pronounce the coming Messiah. And then you have the shepherds who have this heavenly sound and light show on the hillside with the angels and culminating in the birth of this miracle child, the king of heaven on a bed of hay. Miracles upon miracles. But just as sometimes we can't see the forest for all the fir trees, sometimes we can't see the jewelry for all the jewels. And sometimes we can't see the miraculous for all the miracles. Miracles upon miracles. Because these miracles that surround the advent, wow, they're timely, they're significant, they're prophetic, they're dazzling. But they are not the whole story. And the more we make them the story and focus on them, the more likely we are to miss the miraculous, bigger thing that God is creating. And we need that bigger story to find our place in it. Because honestly, the miracles around the advent, they do not make miracles possible. Not for you and me, not yet. Those miracles, if we think about it, they are sovereignly worked by the hand of the Lord. They are according to a very specific divine timetable and they are for those who've been specially selected, specially set apart, chosen, favored, whose prayers are specially answered in some way. They are not just for anybody. They are special to certain people. But their unusual outcome, the baby on the hay, points to something that God is crafting that is so dazzling, so extraordinary, <clears throat> and you and I are at the very center of it. What, what? 
the passion mission of the Godhead. What? What mission? The passion mission of the Godhead is in full swing. The reconciliation of all things to himself. He's setting everything right. God is doing it. It's time to restore the ring. The ring of broken union between God and man. The ring of corroded creation and of mankind's mandate that was seized up and mangled. It's time to restore the ring. The divine repair shop is fully open for business. Yes, he's going to do something amazing. Our confidence that miracles are possible for you and me now, that can only skyrocket when we see the wonderful thing that God is creating and our place in it. And miracles are going to be absolutely central to that, absolutely crucial to that, and we are going to see it. So let's take a look at these things. Let's talk about our union, our broken union. Dave reminded us last week, didn't he? Way back there in the garden, in that tragedy, when our parents, our spiritual parents, Adam and Eve, when they chose what masqueraded as life, but was actually death, when they chose that over life, our union with God was so badly fractured, severed, tarnished, that it bore very little resemblance to what it was ever created to be. Mankind initiated that tragedy, but now here in this baby on the hay, God is initiating an end to all that estrangement, all that separation. Things are going to be different now. No more distance in relationship between God and man. No more sending spokespersons, prophets, priests, kings to broker relationship between him and us. No more temporary measures holding the union or trying to hold the union together with stones of the law and of the commandments. Necessary, practical, functional, but without the joy, without the radiance, without the brilliance that is befitting to betrothal. No more of that. No more exclusiveness where only one people group enjoys the special favor and attention of God. No, this tiny baby is a giant message to the whole of mankind. I've come to be with you, with all of you, um, unto us, unto all of us, a child is born. I mean, why else would God set the dazzling diamond of heaven in a dingy manger, in a temporary shelter, if it weren't to show us, to all of us, even those of us at the furthest edges and lowest ebbs of life, from the migrant refugee family in some tiny tent in a refuge camp in Calais, to the person alone in a room, in the pit of addiction, loneliness, breakdown, 
were it not to say to them, I'm here for you too. I've come to be with all of you. And being with us, that's just the start of different. God has not come just to be with us, but to live life as us, to be one of us, to be a man, fully man. Not just half man, half God hybrid. No, he's put aside all his God advantages. He's living life fully as one of us. He's even got our skin on. He's doing life just as we do, going through it all. The joys, the celebrations, but ah, oh, the tough stuff that he knows that we have to go through too. You know, in the past, God heard the groanings of his people, didn't he? From heaven. He saw their pain from heaven and he sent man Moses to come and lead them and help them. But now in Jesus, no more of that. He's not listening to us from heaven and watching from heaven. He's come down to come into the very middle of it, to walk in the fracture, to walk in the mess, to be one of us and feel it just how we feel it, to do life just how we do it to go through it all from teething and grazed knees to going through being teased by friends, snubbed by his family, to going through exhaustion and hunger and working hard to put food on the table, to going through mental and physical and emotional and spiritual anguish, just as we do, and even to betrayal and ultimately death, the whole thing, in fulfillment of Isaiah 63, in all their affliction, he was afflicted. All of it, he walked in our shoes. I wonder, and actually I don't even wonder this, I feel this in the room right now, that there are those among us who you are walking through something and you feel so alone in it. Like there's no one else that can really understand what it's like to walk through what you're going through. And it feels so alone. Would you, would you look at this Jesus? Would you see in him that deep desire, not just to walk with you, you're in your shoes, he's in his shoes, and he's walking along. No, not that. But to come inside your shoes with you and to feel it how you feel it and to understand it and process it how you do so that you would never have to feel alone in it. You would never have to feel misunderstood because he knows what you are going through. And he's there, never falling victim to it so that you can have the strength to walk through it and come through victoriously. Creation. The Prince of Peace, Jesus, has entered a war zone. Creation itself is scarred and groaning. Fault lines in the earth, weather systems out of kilter happened back then as it surely does now. And the pinnacle of God's creation, mankind, you, me, wandering, aimless, directionless, 
confused, lost, hurt, sick, hostile, aggressive, fearful. The fallout of the fall has touched everything. An enemy has done this. It's time. It is time for the kingdom of heaven to come and infiltrate, invade every place that has been touched by the kingdom of darkness. And Jesus is the one to spearhead that invasion. Watch how he does it. He apprentices with his father. His earthly dad, Joseph, in a physical repair shop, watching, learning at his side, measuring, designing, building, restoring in the repair shop, learning. Let us never think that our earthly trainings, however modest they may seem to be, do not have very close connection to our divine purposes. Let's never think that. Then, at the age of 12, in that culture when a boy becomes a man, there's this kerfuffle. There's this unusual event where the Passover's happened, they're on their way home, and mum and dad, Mary and Joseph, can't find Jesus. They've lost God. Where is he? And they're frantic about it. But once they're finally reunited, Jesus is very calm and can't really understand all the hype. And what does he say to them? Remember? Why were you looking for me? Didn't you know that I must be in my father's house? He's saying to his mom and dad, mom and dad, it's time for me to apprentice with my heavenly papa now. The father's house, it's not so much a physical place, it's not really the temple. It is a place, but it's a place of intimacy, communion, fellowship with his Abba, with his heavenly dad. It's learning to be in his presence, hear his voice, understand how he sees the world, what's in his heart, what he's trying to build. Understanding what wisdom looks like, what obedience looks like. Understanding God's heart for the world and growing his heart in compassion for those that God most loves, you and me. But the Father's house is not just a place of contemplation and communion, although it's very much that. It leads to action. And another, another version of that verse, perhaps it's the one you know best, says, did you not know I must be about my father's business? The father's business. Jesus reaches the age where it's time now for him to enter ministry. And he says of it, doesn't he? Well, I only do what I see my father doing. Well, what did he see his father doing? reaching out and touching the world with acts of restorative love. Miracles. 
Miracles of healing, of deliverance, of provision, of multiplication, of restoration, of resurrection. Acts of restorative love. It's time for Jesus to minister in miracles and touch the world as he had seen his father do. Had there been miracles in the Bible before Jesus? Yes, absolutely, but not like this. Different is here yet again. With Jesus, miracles are not just exclusive to one people group, the house of Israel. Now it's going outside of that. And it's not even exclusive to people who are high in their standing in the community or in their righteousness. No, this is available to all. Even those who, when they've had their miracle, don't even thank Jesus. Those who don't even go on to follow him afterwards. Even those who would come and arrest him and take him away for trial. These are miracles for everyone. These miracles are ministered directly now by Jesus on the full authority that's been delegated to him by the Father. Jesus has the freedom now, knowing he has the full permission to operate in miracles wherever he goes, whenever he chooses. He's not constantly having to go back to the Father. Oh, Father, shall I, is it all right to heal this one? Father, do I have permission here? He's not doing that. He knows. He's seen the Father do it. He knows he's got the green light. He knows he's got the full permission of the Father. So wherever he goes, whenever he sees, he's able. I, he speaks. He commands. He touches. He lays hands. He does it on the full authority of the Father at will. But he's always dependent on the Spirit. He's leaning in moment by moment. No two miracles the same. Sometimes the Spirit's telling him, oh, just spit in that eye. That will heal the blindness. No, this time make a mud pack, then put it on the eye. This time put the fish and the bread in their hands. And then as it passes between them, it will multiply. This one needs forgiveness first. Then he'll receive his healing. No two miracles the same. And for the first time, people are being invited to join in their miracle, to participate in the miracle to partner with it with choice. Jesus asks, do you want to be well? They're invited to partner with faith now. Even a tiny, tiny little mustard seed, enough. Do you believe? And finally, Jesus is involving others in the ministering of miracles now. Not superstars, not specialists, just ordinary followers. Very imperfect followers who often fumble it and bungle it and completely mangle it at times. But they're being invited now. He's giving them the same authority the Father had given him. He's now giving it in full to them. And we're beginning to see the ministry of miracles by ordinary people. Can we see? Miracles are getting very close now. But there's one repair to the ring that still needs to be made. And it is going to cost the Godhead everything. Let's do a little recap. Jesus 
is God with us. He's walking as us. He's ministering fullness of life to us. And he's modeling the kind of union that the Father wants to enjoy between us. And also a ministry of reconciliation and restoration that he wants to exercise through us. He has shown his complete willingness to be reconciled to us. But there is a critical problem. We are not yet reconciled to him. We are so far, mankind still, from that place that Jesus is modeling, that place of pure and spotless trust, devotion, obedience to the Father. So far from that place of spotless purity that Jesus had that allowed him to know Abba moment by moment and to release restorative love in full authority. We're so far from that place still. I've watched enough episodes of The Repair Shop to know that sometimes the damage to an item is so bad that the restorer has to reform, reforge a new inner structure to that piece to enable it to be able to support the beautiful finished restoration that will be the final article. Humanity is so corroded, so deeply damaged, that God has to recreate, reform our inner beings. He has to make us new creations on the inside to be able to carry what it is he has in mind for us. We can't possibly do that for ourselves. So the unthinkable happens. And in completion of that Isaiah verse we saw before, he personally saved them. Jesus does the unthinkable. He himself goes into that white hot furnace of crucifixion on our behalf. He goes into it. And he takes humanity in there with him. Just as first Adam had pulled us all down into that dark place in the fall, so Jesus takes us into the furnace of crucifixion. And in that place, he, Jesus, absorbs into himself all the corrosion, all the taintedness, all the blighting of humanity, and all the shame and the guilt and the fear and the separation, all of it. He absorbs it into himself, and he exchanges into us, reforging us with his pure, spotless, dazzling, innocent perfection. So we come up now, out of that furnace of crucifixion, pure, spotless, favored, in complete, perfect union with the Father. And he takes us up into that place of glory at the right-hand side of the Father. And we are there right now, right now, in the Spirit. We are there, hallelujah, perfect, spotless, before the Father. Ah, oh, the Father has got what he always wanted. 
He didn't want just God with us, God as us, doing things for us. He wanted to be in us, the most intimate, close union possible. He's done it. He has done it. Hallelujah. Oh, we look the same on the outside, don't we? We're still those earthen vessels, those clay pots. But what he has done on the inside of us, spotless, clean, perfect, beautifully prepared to contain the costliest treasure there ever could be. Christ himself living on the inside of us, his spirit, his power, dwelling inside these pure and spotless vessels, even though we look just like clay pots on the outside. Oh, hallelujah. He has done it. Perfect union. Perfect union. He craved it all along and he's got it. Oh, hallelujah. He is so, so happy. Knowing what he has so painstakingly, exquisitely crafted in you and me, how then can we say, I'm not worthy to receive a miracle? How can we say, I'm not good enough to minister miracles? How can we say that? How can we say, oh, it's not my gift? How can we say it's not our thing? How can we say, well, it doesn't happen in all parts of the world? How can we say that? How can we say it's just for special people? How can we say that? It might not be God's time. It might not be God's plan. How can we just say, oh, let's wait for revival. He'll do it then. When he's put revival into our very core, he's already done it. How can we say the spirit inside of me is not enough to touch the world through me? How can we say that? No, people, say with me, masks on, masks off, say it now with me. I am worthy. Come on. I am worthy. I am good enough. My hands can be laid on the sick. My words can make the impossible bow. I hope you believe that. This is our truth. Miracles are not just possible now. Miracles are vital now. Today is the day of salvation. There's never been a day in history where miracles are more needed than they are today on this day. And our place in the restoration of all things, the reconciliation of all things, that has never been retracted. Do we focus on miracles? No. Do we worship them? No. Do we get hung up and give up when we don't see the outcomes that we hope for? Oh, please, no. We don't deny it. We don't act like it hasn't happened. We love each other through times of disappointment. We hold each other through those times, allowing and encouraging one another to access the comfort that is in God for those times. But we never stop pressing forward, knowing we are still in a war zone, we still have an enemy, and we are still growing up into who we are in Christ. We're still getting to know that constant union we have with the Father. We're still getting to know the identity and the authority that we truly have in him. 
Give ourselves grace for that on the journey, but let's never stop pressing in, pressing on to see this wonderful reconciliation mission go forth in the earth. Let's prosper the family business together. It takes, the repair shop needs a whole team of restorers. Would, the divine repair shop needs the same. A whole team of restorers to bring about miracle restoration on the earth. Come on, team. Come on. That's you. That's me. There's not a single person in this room for whom God does not have a place, an important place in his reconciliation mission to see this whole earth touched by his hand of glory that others can come into perfect union with the Father, that others can take their place in the reconciliation of all things, that he, that God, the God of miracles, can be seen in his full glory and significance. He has made the union perfect and complete. Let us join with him in his restoration mission. And let us give this God of miracles praise. Hallelujah. He's done it. Amen. 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 We're going to worship with a video now. And the young man that you're going to see in this video wrote this song. It's called God of Miracles. He wrote this song after a deep personal tragedy in his own life where he had hoped and prayed for a miracle to happen and he didn't see it. He didn't. But he wrote this song as testament to his complete unwavering faith and trust that God is unchanging, that he is a God who can be trusted in every circumstance. And he wrote it with that heart conviction that God would not only restore him through the loss and the pain, but that God would go on and strengthen him to believe that he would see greater things than he had ever seen before, that he would go on and see miracle breakthrough, the like of which he had never seen before. He didn't stay cynical, disappointed, disillusioned. He trusted in the God of miracles. And that's what this song is about. And as you may know it, you may not know it, but as we worship to it, maybe, maybe it's a time where you could let go of disappointment, disillusionment, cynicism in the whole area of the miraculous. Do you need to let go of some of that stuff? Use this song as an opportunity to do that. Or it could be you want to lay hold. You want to lay hold of that tiny little mustard seed of faith that's in you and partner, put it to work with God today. 
through this song as a statement of belief. Yes, God, I believe you are the unchanging God of miracles and I want to partner with you. Maybe there's something, one thing that God is calling you to partner with him for, to see the miraculous breakthrough in a situation, even this week. Use this song to worship the God of miracles and to build up your faith in who he is. Stand with me and worship. <laughs>